morning. <laughs> That's a good intro way to look Well, <laughs> getting ready. Just be prepared. She's a little passionate. <laughs> I'm going to pray really quick. Oh, Father, we love you. You're so good, God. You're so good. And Lord, we just ask that you would come and that you would speak with us this morning. Holy Spirit, it's you that we want to hear from. Would you come and speak words of life that would stick with us forever, that would change us, would open our eyes to see you in a new way and to touch our hearts, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was working this week, kind of getting ready on this message and asking the Lord what he wanted me to speak. And um, it's a little different for me here now because I originally came here as a guest speaker like a year ago and then God moved us here. So now this, as Antley keeps reminding me, is my family now. So which is really nice because it's a little different than when we, we travel other places. So thanks for being our family now and our church home and we really love it here. And so anyhow, as I was getting ready to, to do this, I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me about what, what he wanted me to share, and, um, and then Friday happened, you know, and we saw this heinous massacre of these children in Connecticut, and, and anything that you read on Facebook or Twitter, 80% of it was, was about that, and it was so obvious how so many of us were affected by that, and as, as parents, as human beings, whether you're a parent or not, or not your heart is going to be touched by something that is so evil and so dark and beyond what our minds can comprehend. And so I was just asking the Lord, God, what do you want me to do with that? What do you want us to do with that? And so yesterday afternoon, I was back in the back room and my, my husband, Jeremy, who y'all don't get to see quite as often as me, um, he and our good friend are up at a leading worship at another church in Yuli this morning and they were down rehearsing and I was in the other side of the house and I was just sitting there and all of a sudden he starts singing this song that he never sings like out in public. And uh, I knew instantly, I was like, this song is, is from the Lord for me and for us. And this song comes back in August. We had some very good friends, friends that have been with us. Gosh, we've known them since we were all teenagers, really. And, um, and they are baby girl back in August got very ill. And they text us and said, we're, you know, they're admitting her overnight to see what's going on. And then by the next morning, they texted and said, they're saying she has really severe bacterial meningitis and the next 24 to 48 hours are pivotal. It's really life and death with bacterial meningitis. And so it was one of those moments where we all held our breath and said, Jesus, you know, and began to pray and to believe and thank you, Lord, God worked miracles. They spent like a month in the hospital with her, but she is alive and doing beautifully today. But during that time, my husband Jeremy was down in his office and he was just worshiping and, and playing some music on his guitar and all of a sudden he felt like God gave him this song for them, for our friends in the hospital. And it just like downloaded and he wrote it real quick and he came up with the, the whole, it, it just happened like in five minutes. And he recorded on his computer, you know, real cheaply and just shot it over via email to them. And that was the song that yesterday afternoon he randomly began to play in our office. And I want to read you the words of this song, because this song, I feel like, is perfect for so many of us right now. And I won't attempt to sing it, but it sounds really pretty when it's sung. It says, touched by tragedy, but you never leave. Although I am confused, I can still believe. Even with what my eyes see, even with what my ears hear, even with what they are saying, the truth in me is not betrayed. The truth in me will rule this day. 
My heart knows that you are who you say you are. And this day, I choose to believe you are able. My heart knows that you are who you say you are. And this day, I choose to believe that you are able. And when I heard him down there singing that song, I thought, who does our heart say that he is? This morning, whatever your life circumstances are, however the massacre of Friday affected you, whatever the circumstances of just this season, and maybe the check account, the checking account is empty, or like Antley said earlier, this time does not bring about joy for you, or maybe it's simply the everyday issues of life, like me and trying to learn how to parent two little boys and dealing with those sorts of things. In the midst of those circumstances every day, who does your heart say that he is? Because it's in that moment that something has got to come from the relationship that you have with Jesus. It's in that moment that you find what has been birthed in your heart over years of attending church or having relationship with him or seeking him. It's in that moment when just like David was singing earlier, we read all through the Psalms where David David in the Bible, not David Gate, calls God his strong tower, his fortress, his shield. Those things were not simply like a, a, a switch that he would flip in his mind. That came from years after years after years of living with God, of doing what Antley preached last week, of being strong and courageous and obedient, allowing the story of God in your life to take place. And when that happens and that relationship is built and it is this thing where it is a total part of your every day life, when that happens, then something comes out when tragedy strikes. Then something comes out when they say your baby girl has bacterial meningitis. When you hear horrific things on the news or the doctor comes back and gives you reports that you did not want to hear. And that is when your heart says, but I know, I know who he is. And the truth in me is not going to be betrayed today. I know who my heart says that he is. And so I want to paint a little picture, and we're going to go back into Isaiah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, and paint a picture that he painted for the Jewish people long, long, long before Jesus ever walked the earth. Isaiah painted a picture in a time of crisis for them, in a time where they were being held captive and things were not going well. Isaiah came and he painted a picture of hope and a picture of one that was to come. And so we're going to revisit that today. And the scriptures will be familiar because they come out a lot around Christmas. But we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. This was profound at that time because this was written in the days of the Old Testament. And you have to understand between the Old Testament and the New Testament, everything had changed. In the days of the Old Testament, only the prophets spoke on behalf of God. You cannot stand in a worship service like we did this morning and feel the love and the presence of God. The presence of God was in a temple in a place called the Holiest of Holies, and only the high priest could go in that place. So all the regular folks like you and I, we never got to feel what the presence of God felt like. We never got to experience what the high priest, only select few, could experience that. 
And in this moment, this prophet Isaiah is saying, no, that God, that God that feels so um, uh, completely holy and far and separate from you, he is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. He is going to come with you in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your struggle, and he's going to be right there in it with you. For them at this time, the Jewish people would have, this would have been mind-boggling for them. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the most beautiful passage of scripture. And I'm going to, we're going to do a little fun, okay? We're going to do a quick little word study here because this goes from being like wonderful counselor, prince of peace, being like, holy cow, that's amazing. If you really study what these words are real quick. So just hang in there with me. So he says, unto us, a child will be born. Not just any child, a son. The son will be born. He will be given. And that word given means not just to give, to bestow, but it also means this, which is really interesting, to be inflicted, to be delivered up. Think about that. A son is going to be inflicted and delivered up to us, for us. The government, that word for government right there, it's only used twice in the Bible. That specific word for government, it's only used twice, and it means all dominion over the entire universe. It doesn't just mean like the government over a land like Caesar would have been or something like that. It means all dominion over the entire universe will be upon his shoulders. But that word for shoulders does not mean here. It means on your back between your shoulder blades. Now think about that. The minute I read that, I was studying it on BibleStudyTools.com. I love those websites. And I was studying it and I was like, Oh my God, think about that. All dominion over the entire universe will be on your back. And of course, I can't help but go, but to the cross. When Jesus is climbing the hill with the cross between his shoulder blades on his back. What allowed Jesus to have the power for all dominion to be on his shoulders? The cross. The cross is what makes a way for all of it. And it's being prophesied here in Isaiah thousands of years before. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful, a wonder, a marvel, extraordinarily hard to understand. Counselor, your advisor, the one who gives you counsel in your time of need. You don't want to understand God. So many people, you know, I'll hear people say, well, I don't really believe in God because I can't understand him. Why would you, why would you want a God that you and your finite human knowledge can fully comprehend. Wouldn't that make him like you? Wouldn't that make him as powerful as you are, which isn't very powerful? But this tells me that he is extraordinarily hard to understand, but out of that extraordinarily marvelous, wonderful place, he is my counselor. So I don't have to understand it all. I don't have to have all the answers to everything because he does. And as my counselor, I can seek him and I can find him and he will show me what, he will do, what I should do. He promises us that. He promises it throughout the Bible that if we seek him, we will find him and he will show us the way in which we should go. He is a mighty God. Those words there basically mean like a strong hero, which I sort of love. (laughs) I don't know if it's a girl thing, but just like God is just this strong hero. But what man doesn't want to be a strong hero either? Like we can all relate to just the power that God is. Everlasting, perpetual, without end, Father. 
That actually means father. <laughs> and then the prince of peace. And I love this because it, it doesn't just mean peace. It means he is the captain, the overseer, the chief of your completeness, your soundness, your entire welfare. Jesus is the prince of your entire welfare. And it's not a job he does begrudgingly. He willingly wants to make sure you're okay. He willingly wants to heal you. He willingly wants to be the one who figures out how to make you the most sound, the most whole, the most well to provide for you as your strong and mighty God. This is the God that we serve. And I felt this week as I was preparing that God wanted us to just stand in awe of him for a little bit. And I looked up that word wonder where he talks about that God is a wonderful counselor. He is a wonder. Everything about God is awesome and magnificent. And the fact that he chooses to come and be with us is really beyond me. But I looked up the word wonder, and this is some of the definitions for the word wonder. A cause of astonishment or admiration. When you see him, it's just like, oh my gosh. The quality of exciting, amazed admiration. I like this one. A rapt attention or astonishment at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. I love that because he is awesomely mysterious, but yet he chooses to reveal himself to us. I think of in the book of Revelation where they describe the throne of God and the angels. It says the angels are going around the throne of God crying, holy, holy, holy. And I don't honestly understand half the book of Revelation. It's like way above my pay grade most days. But I get that one part because there are days where I'm like, Jesus, you just blew my mind yesterday, but then this morning my mind is blown again. Like you are unbelievable. You are unbelievable. The way that you love us in our brokenness, the way that you reach us in our despair, he is unbelievable. He is magnificent. Go with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to jump forward a few thousand years now. (laughs) And they use one more name to describe him. So not only is he Emmanuel, is he our wonderful counselor, our prince of peace, our mighty God, our strong hero. But then he comes, and the angel comes to Mary. I'm going to start in verse 30, but 31 is up on the screen. But the angel said... To her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, the interesting thing there about the name Jesus is what that meant to them at that time was Jehovah our Savior or Jehovah the Savior. But what you have to understand is in like true traditional Jewish religion, which Jesus was a Jew, they did not say the name Jehovah. They, they don't even write it with all of its vowels. Like it is considered sacred. You will not even to this day find an Orthodox, Orthodox Jew that will say the name Jehovah because it is considered too sacred to be uttered, too sacred to even for a human to, to verbalize. Now take that idea And bring it back to Emmanuel. Bring it back to that Jehovah is about to become our savior. Something that magnificent. The thing that's 
spoke and the, the heavens came and the earth was created and all of us, something so beyond my little peewee mind is going to come and be my savior. My savior, not our savior. I'm not talking group nations here. I'm talking Antley savior, Martha savior, my savior, our personal one-on-one intimate savior, something that holy and unbelievable wants to be that much with me that he's going to come to be my savior. He's awesome. He's magnificent. He's beautiful. But he's very present in your everyday life. So what does that look like? What does that look like in a season that, like Antley said, for some is filled with joy, for any of us on Friday was not? For some, it's always a time of sorrow. Maybe you lost a loved one, and every Christmas you feel the absence of that person. Maybe like I said, right now, maybe just this morning, you took out that checkbook and were like, really, God? What are we going to do? David gives us a really good example of how you stand in awe in the midst of your everyday circumstances. Because the truth of the matter is, guys, the world is broken, and it's going to keep being broken. The Bible says that the dark will get darker, but it also says that the light will get lighter and brighter and more powerful, and that the light will penetrate the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. And no matter how often, and I, I mean, there are days where we're talking to friends, we do a lot of stuff around the world, and we're talking to friends in different countries, and hearing different stories, and then you hear a story like on Friday, and it feels utterly dark and evil. And in those moments is when we remind ourselves of the magnificent God that we serve, and that he promises that if the light will enter the darkness, the darkness will not overcome it. I'm going to go back to that in a minute. So we have David. We're going to pick up in Psalm 34, but you have to understand the context of Psalm 34. David was prophesied over as a young boy that he was going to be king. They brought him in. He got anointed, and they sent him right back out to the field. And he stayed out there for a long time, and then Goliath came, and he became eventually captain over the armies, right? And David was very famous, and then Saul got jealous, right? And Saul decides David needs to be dead because he's trampling on my territory here. So then starts a very dark time in David's life, a time where David is running from place to place, trying to escape Saul and all the armies of Israel that are after David on Saul's behalf. And there's this story where David, like David the man, David the leader of the armies, comes to Gath and the king recognizes him. And he's like, oh, dang it. This is not good. (laughs) This could turn out really poorly if he gets word back to Saul quickly. So it says that David stood at the gate acting like a crazy man, that he let like spit drool down his beard, that he scraped at the wood of the gate acting like a crazy man. How humiliating. Talk about falling from where people had esteemed you from this place to become this. But... (laughs) Then you have to read, this is the psalm that David wrote. So they drove him away from the gate. They're like, get the crazy guy out of here, right? And, and that's how he escaped, basically. Because if they had really validated that he was David, they would have held him captured till Saul could get there. So he escaped by acting insane. And he runs off, and then he writes this psalm. According to history, I wasn't there, so, you know. But it says this. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear 
and rejoice. I love that. I love that because as believers, when the darkness comes and the difficult things happen, people are watching our lives. They're watching to see how we will respond. And I love what David says next. He says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He's saying, all of you that are afflicted, all of you that are struggling, all of you that feel alone and desperate right now, look at my life. Look at all the junk I'm dealing with. Let's come together. Let's exalt his name together. Let's extol his name together because he is worthy regardless of our circumstances. And he goes on to say, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Now I want you to notice that if you study the Bible, God didn't flip a switch. David continued running for his life for quite some time after this was written. But yet he says here, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That in that place of David just standing before the Lord, extolling him, not for what he had done for David, but for who he is, for the magnificence that I just described to you in all of those words, as David began to extol him and worship him and love him for who he is, the fear left. And he knew that life nor death doesn't matter. It's not going to separate me from the love of God. It doesn't matter what happens. Saul may kill me tomorrow. If he does, so be it. Nothing can separate me from the love of my father. Then he says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. I love that. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Jeremy Song said, my heart knows that you are who you say you are. And this day, I choose to believe that you are able. How do you do that? Because you've tasted and you've seen. Because you've lived through experience. Because just like Antley said about being strong and courageous, every time that we step out, every time that we're obedient, every time that we love someone in his name, every time that the checkbook is empty and we choose to obey and to give and to love anyways, and not to sit in self-pity, and not to sit in anger at the Lord, every time that we worship him, Even regardless of our circumstances, we are building an experience. We are building a story. We are building all of the times that we can say, taste and see. I've tasted and I've seen. I've seen that he's faithful. Yeah, I'm running for my life right now, David says. Yeah, Saul is after me with all the armies of Israel, but I've been with him. I've been with him out there with the sheep. And I was just worshiping one day, just loving God. And this lion came, this bear came. He helped me then. There's this guy, Goliath. He helped me then. He'll be good to me, or I'll be with him one way or another. It doesn't change who he is. Now is not the time for us to hide away in fear. Now is not the time for us to respond to what we see the way that the world responds. Because of one thing, we serve a God of hope. In Romans chapter 15, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. It says, may the God of all hope, (laughs) I think I said this when I was back here in June, 
when I was in India, when I first went to India with Kristen, Calcutta is a, is a tough place, period. But when you are there to do the things that we were there to do, you, you see, you're hearing a lot of, of hard things. And I remember one night laying in the bed and going, Jesus, I, all I see is really darkness. Like, I'm, I'm just sad. I'm sad at what I see. I'm sad at the lives of these women. I'm sad at their stories. I'm sad at the little children begging us as we walk down the street. You know, like feeling all of that and going, but I know who you are. So I need you to meet me right now because I'm not going to walk around here sad for the next week. I need to find you in this place. I need to find you in the suffering. And immediately the Holy Spirit spoke this scripture to me. And this is my prayer for us today. May the God of hope, I love that. We can stop right there. (laughs) He's the God of hope. He is the God of hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, as you trust him. No matter what your eyes see, back to the song, even though what my eyes see, what my ears hear, what everyone's saying, I will trust you. So that, you, so that we may overflow with hope by what? And this is what does it all. The power of the Holy Spirit. I cannot make myself joyful as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I cannot watch the news reports on Friday and think, oh, with a big smile on my face. But I can turn my eyes to Jesus. And I can turn my eyes to heaven and I can stand and I can remind myself of who he is. And then the Holy Spirit can come and fill me with joy in a way that I could never make it happen on my own. Why? Why do we need to be able to find joy in the suffering? Why do we need to be able to find peace and hope in the suffering? Because of what I said earlier. It's not going to change. So if we are going to be the light going into the darkness, we have to be able to somehow rise above it. We have to be able to somehow walk through it. We have to be able to somehow go into the suffering with hope in our hands and say, look, I promise you, come. Let's extol the Lord together. He is magnificent and he is glorious and he is way above our issues. But the beautiful thing is he's going to come right there in the midst of your deepest sorrow and he's going to pour his love over you in it because he cares, because he is Emmanuel, God with us. My husband tells a story and I'll close with this. I just looked at the clock. My husband um, tells a story of when he was very young. He first went to Russia when he was like 12 years old. So that was like 1990-ish. And it was obviously a different Russia then than it is now. And um, he, he talks about the smell of Russia as a 12-year-old boy. And he said that whenever he would, he went a few times actually, but he said whenever he would come home from Russia and he would open his suitcase, it's like that really any place you go, you know, you have smells that remind you of a place. And he said he would open his suitcase and as soon as he did, it was like Russia, you know, like it just, all of his clothes were permeated with Russia. It was just that, that smell because he had been surrounded by it. Now listen, listen to what I'm saying for a second. He had been surrounded by it. He had been completely engulfed in it. And so it began to permeate who he was, that the smell went with him wherever he went, even back across the ocean. Paul talks about something like this in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 2, starting in verse 14. 
But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. I'm going to keep reading a little bit more. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? We are supposed to be the aroma of Christ to this world. We are supposed to be the fragrance of life. And for some, possibly the fragrance of death. But the thing that tells them there is something different. Peter even writes that people should come up to us and say, what is the hope that is within you? I come back to that scripture all the time. There should be something so different in us in the midst of this world that people are like, what? There's something. There's something. What is that? Why do you respond that way? Why aren't you on your face devastated? Or maybe if you are, how did you get back up again? There should be a light that shines from in us that penetrates the darkness And I don't care what you see, the darkness cannot overcome it. We are the fragrance of Christ to the world. So I encourage you today, and I'll close with this story. No matter what you're going through, it is just like David. Be like David. Choose to stand and extol his name no matter what. And all of a sudden, you'll start noticing that other people are coming alongside. Well, if he can do it, if she can do it, then I'm going to stand in the midst of my difficulty and I'm going to declare who he is and allow him to work miracles in my life. There was a, a, a Hillsong DVD I watched one time and there was a girl that was supposed to be on that DVD and it was two weeks before they were supposed to film and she was about 23 weeks pregnant And she went into early labor and gave birth to the baby, and the baby died. And she had to film this DVD two weeks later. And she said she went to rehearsal the day before. I think it was the day before. It didn't really matter. But she went to rehearsal, and it was a sheer act of will. That it, took, it was by choice that she stood up there, that she strapped on that guitar. It was by choice, not because of how she felt, because she did not feel happy. She did not feel joy, and she certainly didn't feel like glorifying God for all of the good things in her life. But she said she stood there, and she looked at him, and she said, I know who you are, because my heart says, I know who you are, and today I'm going to choose to believe that you can meet me in the greatest pain of my life. And she said she stood there, and she just chose to worship. She chose to extol him simply because of everything in those names that I described to you. Emmanuel, Jehovah, our Savior, wonderful counselor, mighty God. She glorified him because of that. And she said that she felt absolutely nothing. And then the next day it was time to film. And there are thousands of people there. And they all begin to worship. And it's time for her to sing Desert Song. Many of you are familiar with that song. And she stands up to sing Desert Song with Brooke Frazier. And she starts to sing. And and it was that same place. And then all of a sudden, as she just worshipped him for who he was, she said that the presence of God came over her in a way that I can't describe with words, I'm sure. 
and rushed into every pain and rushed into every dark place and rushed in with hope and with joy and with peace and showered her in her love as she stood there glorifying him, saying, in every season, I will worship you for who you are. Did she have a road to walk after that? I'm quite certain. Don't we all? But it doesn't change who he is. So when you leave today, I pray that you would stand in wonder at the the marvelous God that we serve. And as you choose to see him in his beauty and in his awesomeness, that your circumstances, one, would pale in comparison to his glory, but two, that joy and hope and peace would come and you would know that he is not going to leave you alone, that he is not going to leave you abandoned, but that he's going to rush in as Jehovah, your Savior, and be with you in every situation. So, Father, I just pray that you would make that real to us today in a way that only you can, Holy Spirit that you would truly be the God of hope and fill us with joy and peace by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.